you through a workout or a run, or hey, maybe you're relaxing, maybe you're enjoying that summer night air, maybe you're walking the dog, maybe you're in the afterglow of a Father's Day well-earned, whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you. Their efforts, their generosity, their kindness makes this show possible. Without them, we couldn't be doing it. But in exchange, they get some pretty darn cool stuff, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, bonus content, I would say up the wazoo, if I knew what that meant. We got so much bonus content, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming out your wazoo, including the weekly paid DLC program every single Wednesday with Lana Bashinsky, Christian Spicer, and myself talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. You got a, a special one in your inbox, even if you're not a patron this week, because we talked about the summer of games. But there's lots more bonus content where that came from as well. We got spoiler chats for you early as patrons. We've got... An entire other show called Feeling This, where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feelings behind video games. Season one, in the bag, ready for you to download right now if you become a patron. Season two hits starting June 23rd. Lots of excitement and fun there as well. And you get the audio version of the DLC Book Club, where Lana Bashinsky and myself talk about books. Holy smokes, that's a lot of stuff just for becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's been doing this with me five hundred weeks in a row mr christian spicer hello christian 500 shows four monkey birds (laughs) (laughs) this wednesday this wednesday show jeff um I can't finally say what it will be about, but I will tell you that it is a a fantasy of mine that I've been having for um, a while now. So I'm excited for this. Well, is it the, is your show. is it your last fantasy? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I wouldn't say that it's my final. I plan on having no. many more fantasies, but um, but like for know. like like 16 times you've 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 done this at this. point? I did get my driver's license when I was 16. That is correct. Right. Amazing. Um, it could be, it could be anything then. i literally have no idea what you're talking about. Forza Motorsport. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, um, it is Father's Day weekend. We are recording this on Father's Day, ladies and gentlemen. And I can't think of a more perfect guest to join us. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for dads linked by casting because from the Mega Dads Mega Network, editor-in-chief, as well as a multimedia artist, Adam Leonard is back with us. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, everybody. It is so exciting to be back once again. This is a huge 
momentous occasion I'm very happy to be celebrating with you, not only for your 500th episode, but this wonderful day celebrating dads. Happy Father's Day to both of you. Um, and yourself. I, I had a very enjoyable day. I managed to get through it relatively unscathed. The whole family is alive. Uh, and <laughs> I am here. I am here to cap it off talking games with you fine gentlemen. So thank you so much you know for what? having me. Any day that your family survives is a win as a father in my book. You got it. That's 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 the bar right mm-hmm. there. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a delight to have you on. I'm honored that you would take your time uh, as a dad here on Father's Day to spend some time with us. We're excited. We got tons to dig into. But I just want to take a, a moment and and mark the fact that this is episode 500. And those big, nice round numbers, uh, they feel a little warm and squishy. They feel a little like you got to just take a moment and go, hey, wow, that's a big, big round number. And I think, Adam, you're a a great guest to have on for for 500 because I don't know if you remember this, but you were on when we were celebrating 400 as well. I think it was like right after 400 when it was the the episode where (laughs) I actually went to Christian's house to record it. That's right. right. Before I moved away from Los Angeles. And it was... uh, a train wreck. <laughs> it was a total train wreck. <laughs> well, but, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's fun. not, you know, attributed to my being on the show. But um, no. I will I will try to keep the train as firmly planted on the tracks as I can. But <laughs> you guys should no, celebrate that... this. This is a huge deal. I mean, how many years has it been for DLC now? Well, it'll be 10. I think we're going to do our big celebration in January when we hit hit ha- completing 10 years. And by big celebration, we mean the same thing we've been doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it'll be a regular episode like any other. <laughs> but you'll wear tuxedos. Uh, yes. 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 I almost wore a tux- I almost did that today. I was going to show up and shame you guys for not also dressing up. Uh, it was a plan <laughs> I had. But then uh, then it was Father's Day, and I saw I wore my uh, bluey dad shirt, as I'm wearing right now on video. Um, but the thing I'm most proud of, Christian, is it's 500 in a row. It's not, the, I mean, it's a big number anyway you slice it. It means we've been doing this a long time. But I think it's pretty rare for any show to do that many episodes without having any weeks skipped, having any dark weeks, any, any reruns, any we've had filler. Some dark, we've had some dark weeks. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair. We've had some filler. No, I just meant like, ooh, there's been some weeks. Uh, no, we I were get doing it. This I got show. it. What you were yeah. saying. We've had. I mean, the shows haven't all been good, but they've all been <laughs> present. You know what I'm saying? We did original content. It's 500 episodes because 500 weeks ago we started. You know what I'm saying? It's not 500 episodes because it took us a while. It, you know, it's it, it's it's literally that marks how many weeks we've been doing this. There's way more episodes. There's a lot of episodes we did in between those weeks. We didn't give numbers to, That's you know, that true. weren't counted numbers. And I think also what I find interesting about 500 and the consecutive 500 is that <laughs> is that if you had asked me when we started, it would have seemed impossible, not improbable. But yeah. impossible just because we were picking this up after Weekend Confirmed, which was yeah. after One Up, which was after – and like all Probably of those things. <laughs> yes, and all of those things in my mind, and they still are, but like were foundational moments in this niche in which we, we live. 
and yeah. to have this now be, you know, a, a bigger by time count pillar in that uh, is, is very special. And it means a lot to me. Um, and it would have seemed impossible at the time when I was sitting in my closet huddled over a microphone <laughs> when my child was six months old, when we decided to yeah. launch this thing. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to fathom that this is, you know, we've been doing it that long and, and it was, it, it doesn't even, it wasn't even the first of these to do what I was doing, but you know, Hey, it's a, it's a tribute to the audience that have stuck with us uh, for this long and especially in the last couple of years mm-hmm. when we made the pivot to Patreon because uh, there was a real, uh, it, it looked really likely that we wouldn't be getting to 500. It looked very likely that the show was going to have to end because uh, we lost our network. We lost the way that we were going to be doing this. It, it was all topsy-turvy and, and uncertain. And uh, we turned to the audience and said, hey, you know, the only way we can stick around is if you decide that we're valuable enough to you that you want to make that happen. And they have. And that is uh, extraordinary. And it is something that I know you and I are both grateful for. So thank yes. you, audience, for for that. Thank you for being patrons. We appreciate it. 500. It's a lot. And, All right. And well, also, and like that, that low bar of parenthood, it's miraculous that you guys haven't killed each other yet. Like that's well, it helps I think that that's... we're not in the same room anymore. You know what I mean? It <laughs> helps that we're I moved I literally moved out of California, Adam. I don't know if you know that. But uh I mean it had there's... nothing to do with the restraining order that Christian put on me at all. No. There's there's a real spy v spy going on that uh, the audience doesn't know about. I don't want to peel the curtain yeah. back on it, but like countless uh NES style spy versus spy. Yeah. Let me just say I know. don't check my mail anymore, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know what's gonna be in don't there. Don't open that door. I'm not, not going to try it. I know it's hung above that door. Nice try. I've been in my office this for is, 500 episodes. A delightful, a delightful Father's Day gift from Christian. Why is it ticking? Because <laughs> <laughs> time is Anywho. of the essence. Please open. That's <laughs> <laughs> so it says. Vital to the show. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I guess there's not much to say. We did 500 of these. We're going to keep going. We got 501 next week. So, you know, it's another week. What I can say, well, the last thing I'll say about this, I think is also a testament to the industry and how incredible new developers and creators and the amazing works that are being put out into the industry. It's not that there weren't awesome games before, but also it it continues to remain riveting and fascinating and the types of games we're talking about. It's not, well, this aren't, but we aren't riveting or fascinating, but but the the things we get to, the things we get to talk about are people are still pushing it. Uh, I, I talked, um, about this with, um, on why button Kyle stars show. He's had Lana on a few other folks. Um, and it's about like why folks game. And one of the question I think was asked me, like, do I ever burn out? And I think we talked about this a little bit on paid DLC on Wednesdays also, Jeff. And, no, because the industry remains incredible and it keeps doing new and exciting things. And we could talk about new and exciting games like this week, you know, it's dare I say a down week. And I'm so excited <laughs> to talk <laughs> about some of the games we're playing. So yeah, I feel humbled and blessed and honored to be able to be here. And I look forward to doing at least one more of these after today. <laughs> yeah, we can guarantee there will be one more at least. <laughs> <laughs> that's our guarantee to you and it has been our guarantee since episode one mm-hmm. we stand by that mm-hmm. uh, anyway it, it, you know 
it's because uh, it's because of the support from patrons. So thank you, patrons, uh, in particular, and everybody who downloads the show and tells their friends about it. Thank you. All right, that was enough. Thank you, Adam, for enduring our uh, little, uh, you know, patting ourselves on the back moment. I love it. We appreciate. I love that. it. Keep going. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's start the show. Well, I don't know. In a way that we uh, have done, give or take five hundred times, <laughs> with story of the week. <laughs> Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you at, at that email address. Anything you'd like us to know, please do send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also post stories or uh, get a hold of us on our forums, a uh, number of places. There's a subreddit called 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There is also a Discord by the same name, 5x5dlc on Discord. Great folks hanging out in both places, talking about games and all sorts of other stuff. I encourage you to take part in the community. But Adam, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Now, you guys have a lot of great stories on your docket here uh, before I get to one of them, which are certainly more important stories than what I'm about to bring up. But I just, I, I would feel um, I would feel bad if I didn't mention the fact that grimace from McDonald's had a birthday uh, over mm. this last week. And apparently somebody made a game boy, like game boy color game for grimace uh, for his 53rd birthday and they published it. So if folks want to do a little research. They can find the, uh, the game boy grimace game from McDonald's. Have you played it? Um, I have not. This was brought to okay. my attention by uh, one of my Megadad team members. And I, I immediately said, why are you wasting your time with this information? Uh, but I had to pass that along because if my time was wasted, I want to waste a little bit of your viewership time. Um, it, you know, Is there any part of you that wants to play it? I mean, yes. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my first question was, what's Mayor McCheese up to? I didn't know if mm, he had yeah. some, if he was like... Well, NPC. I in hope this the Hamburglar is involved. It feels like the Hamburglar is the video game character you want, right? A- apparently, like a little Sly in this Cooper game, action. I did a little reading, and apparently, in this game, the first couple of levels, Grimace is skateboarding. So that's kind of rad. Sick. Yeah, that's kind of rad. Oh, you didn't tell me this game was extreme. <laughs> it's, oh, it's extreme. It's about as extreme as you can get with a McDonald's mascot from the uh, apparently. Let me, tell you, let me ask you this way question. back. If if you are drawn to this game, is mm-hmm. would you be drawn because it's a way to play a new Game Boy Color game, or is it because of the Grimace factor? Oh, it's all Grimace. Oh, okay. It's all. all right. They could put they could put Grimace on PS5, and I'd be I'd be interested. <laughs> I, 4K Grimace? You kidding me? I like I like how PS5 is the extreme. Like yes, the Game Boy Color version, but they could put it on that crappy PS5 console. <laughs> I'd you, play that. I'd even lower myself to turning on my PS5. Dual sense integration <laughs> with the little yeah. chicken McNugget guys. There's something there. Someone's got to. Christian, are you, would you, uh, are you, have you been aware of this? Would you, were you keeping this from me? Is this a, a, a surprise, a 500 episode surprise? I have been aware of it. I have not been keeping it from you. For, if it was not for a very busy week here, I 
planned on loading this onto my analog pocket and playing yeah. it, but I have yet to, which is why it's not on my playlist. I mm. I hope it's great, and I don't know, but I do. <laughs> I I don't dislike this kind of stuff where it's like, and now we're talking about it, but it's clearly you know a marketing grab. But if executed remotely competently. It kind of blows my mind that this and also the Space Jam 2 Brawler, which came out, you know, around that movie, which I would argue the Brawler's better than the movie. A very competent Brawler that we've been doing this show for 500 episodes. Uh, I've been playing video games for 500 years, and I remember a time when this Grimace game would be $60, you know? Yeah, (laughs) right. And it would be on every magazine cover, and it would be cool spot, and it'd be great, you know? And it'd be the only game that came out for three months, (laughs) and so you had to play it. I just love that in 2023, someone had to pitch this, you know? Like somebody, somebody not only had this idea... But then they brought it forward to other people who could make decisions and sign checks. And they said, yeah, do it. Make the Grimace Game Boy game. Anyway, (laughs) I I mean, I love the fact that it got I love the fact that it got greenlighted. I like the fact that somebody was like, yes, let's put resources in this. Find somebody that can code a Game Boy Color game. But it more likely was was somebody who was like, hey, my cousin can make green Game Boy Color games. (laughs) Do you think we should make one about a McDonald's character? <laughs> Someone's because my cousin could make one. Yeah, <laughs> I think a big part of it was earned media, and they were like, "Here's yeah. how much ad buys are going to cost. This is how much making this Game Boy Color is going to cost, and these are all the websites that'll pick it up when we do." And they were like, that, "I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, uh, an automatic. I don't think that's something that a, a suit at McDonald's gets immediately." I don't yeah, because they're, they're wearing like, a clown suit, Jeff. So they hundred percent get it, and they don't talk. They don't talk at all. <laughs> no, Ronald. But they oh, smile. They bring talk. smiles. Doesn't Ronald talk? I thought Ronald talked. I don't think he talks. Does I'll, Ronald talk, Adam? You're the you're the McDonald's expert, Adam. <laughs> what, does Ronald McDonald talk? All I'm gonna say is that I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna absolutely develop a Mega Dad's game for the N gauge at this point, because this, <laughs> there you go. This conversation has gone farther than I ever dreamt it would. <laughs> you, Hey, <laughs> behold what you have wrought. This is, I tried to keep the train on the rails and I brought up grimace. Um, you know what? We did 499 good shows. <laughs> so let's just put it that way. We did 499 episodes without talking about grimace. You're welcome. welcome. All right. What is your actual story? My actual story of the week is all this VR goodness. Um, We we had this VR showcase, which was just Ronald talks. Sorry. Talks. Ronald talks. He talks. Talks. I stand corrected. I apologize to Ronald and his family for sliding them. All the McDonald's. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, not only did we have this VR showcase with all of these VR games, just like a, a metric S-ton of VR games. I believe uh, it was 62 games, according to my calculations. 62 games in the upload VR showcase. And some great stuff across like all the platforms. And then yeah. uh, in addition to that, there was a PlayStation blog that dropped a couple other PSVR 2 nuggets, which got me really excited because that's the place that I play. Uh, I play mm-hmm. on the PSVR 2. Um, so some of these games from the uh, the Upload Showcase really got my attention, uh, one of which we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, Pixel, Rick, Pixel Ripped 1978, which I love that series. It's a great series. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then they announced on this PlayStation blog that they're remaking Wanderer, which I really loved that game. That was kind of like an escape room time travel, quantum leap kind of thing. There's all sorts of great stuff. I know, Jeff, you're a huge VR fan. Um, what, what I'm, ex- I'm interested to hear like what you being a, being someone who samples a much wider catalog of VR offerings, what got you excited uh, with all of these games that were announced or showcased? Well, there, yeah, I am of mixed feeling about the uh, upload VR showcase. This, these are, you know, these are the sort of uh, this thing that has started happening where uh, websites that cover the industry have started doing their own showcases. And I feel that because of the relationships that uh, are required and uh, facilitate these kinds of shows, uh, they are a different beast than something like a Microsoft showcase or a Sony showcase or a Nintendo showcase mm-hmm. where you have a platform holder who owns a bunch of developers and can pick and choose and, and construct a, a showing that is uh, most advantageous to the messaging they want to do over the next six to 18 months. PC game showcase is an example of the other thing where, you know, PC gamer is kind of uh, running that and they are, it seems to me, I don't know the actual deals that are struck or, or, you know, situation, the negotiations that happen, but it seems to me that it is much more of a take all comers. Let's figure out what, what you want to show. And that's why the PC games showcase is so very long Mm -hmm. and there are so many games in it and it, I say all that to tell you that that appears to be what the Upload VR showcase is. Upload VR, one of my favorite sites to cover the VR and AR world. Uh, they do a lot of wonderful coverage, a lot of great game reviews and news. Uh, I utilize them frequently. Big fan of what they do over there. Uh, and and it's cool that they put together a place where a lot of VR and AR stuff can be shown off and, and, and uh, get a lot of headlines because uh you know I, I think we can all agree even i who am very bullish still on the uh vr gaming scene uh it, it has it has become even more of a niche than you know than it has in the last few years it's other than psvr2 appearing in sony showcase we really don't even get a lot of sites covering a lot of these games mm-hmm. so it's cool that people that care about vr have a place where you can see a lot of this stuff but having said that 62 games is too many. It, you know, it's, it's just a lot. It felt like drinking from the fire hose yeah. a bit. Um, and it, I have said this a number of times recently. I will repeat it again. It's a bummer to me that where we are with a lot of these indie VR games, which admittedly, you know, are not coming from uh, big publishers that are looking to get a tons of money. These are scrappy, smaller teams for the most part. And so they're looking to make things that are commercial. And it, it's a bummer to me that so many of them were first person shooters. Yeah. Because while I think that is a fun thing to do in VR, I think it is the it is the least creative thing to do in VR. And I think VR and AR uh, offer a much more interesting palette upon which to paint interesting experiences. And uh or sort of from which, I guess not upon which, a canvas would be upon which. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is 
I 62 games, the main thrust of which were a lot of first person shooters. It, it felt a lot of, it felt very samey to me. Uh, and only a few, few games really stood out as stuff that got me super excited, even as somebody that is really enthusiastic about the technology. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is my long winded diatribe about it. And I'd love to talk about the games that did stand out to me, but I'm more interested first, um, Adam, you mentioned a couple of the PSVR two, uh, announcements that happened after it, but did you have any games from the showcase that stood out to you? I've had my eye on lo-fi for a while. I think that game yes. looks really slick. Um, yes. and it kind of looks like it's, I, I didn't play cyberfunk, uh, cyberfunk, cyberpunk, um, but you this did kinda... play Cyberfunk though, which is a really awesome dance rhythm game mm, mm-hmm. set in the future. Set in a, I'm hoping Lo-Fi's got future. a little bit more funk in it than punk. <laughs> is what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah. Uh, I think that looks really cool. I love the fact that you know you can. It's got some of that vehicle stuff in there. It looks like there's. It looks like it's kind of taking that angle of you can play it the way you want to play it. It's not. They don't show a lot of shooting, even though it's in first person. It looks like it's going to be more about just immersing yourself in that kind of a world. Uh, yeah, and it, the visuals look great. Um, so I, I and it's I've, also not VR only. You can play it on a two D flat screen. So it is going to come out simultaneously supporting VR, but playable on two D uh, on Steam as well. Yeah, I think that I think that game looks really well um, or really cool. I, as I said before, Pixel Ripped. I love Pixel Ripped. Um, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I got to say, I I haven't played the um, City Skyline VR. But I've seen this little cities sandbox thing, and like the reason that I don't get into these VR or these Sim City games these days is, is as a dad, I have very very small windows of time to play it. And like City Skyline and Sim City and all these big Sim games require so much of your time. Uh, we recently downloaded the Jurassic World park building game. We were my son and I were really excited to try it out, and then we spent like an hour and a half putting up power lines. And then <laughs> this little cities comes out, and it's like, hey, you can push a button, and like, boom, you've got like a whole city park. And I, I'm kind of like, you know, I miss playing these games, but this looks like the perfect uh, snapshot kind of game where you only got a couple of minutes, but you could do a lot in those couple minutes. Uh, but yeah. I think that one's MetaQuest exclusive so that kind of bums me out but i thought that looked kind of cute yeah yeah there are a number of really uh i think clever looking games here and you have to wade through a lot of a lot of stuff to get Mm -hmm. to the ones that i i think are really cool uh before i get to those though let's take a quick break and thank a sponsor it's time to thank our sponsor factor oh my goodness are you looking hey it's it's summer you're you're gonna be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. I don't want to be worrying about what I'm going to eat at lunch. I need to get something in me quick because I got summertime fun time to get to. Well, guess what? Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track achieving your goals. I got to tell you, the reason I even know about Factor is because of my wife. My wife uh, loves these, and she's like, you got to try these. They're so good. I'm like, I don't know about ready-to-eat meals. She's like, no, 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 no. These are actually delicious. You have to try them. 
I popped one into the microwave, pulled it out, and I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like microwave food. This is delicious. Delicious. Plus, they're calorie conscious. They're dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. My wife loves the fact they have, you know, portion control. You have portion control right there. You got your, your portion, but it fills you up. She says they're yummy. She doesn't have to feel guilty about it. And it's easy to do for lunches. We do them for all our lunches because it's just like, I am busy. I'm working and we work both work from home. Want to pop something in the microwave. It's great. Christian, I know you've been trying these as well. Jeff, I got to say, uh, my favorite part of summer is actually sitting there and telling my children and my family that, no, uh, it's not time to eat yet because I'm working on it. And then it takes me another hour <laughs> and then I mess something up and then it's burnt and then I, I cut myself and everything is awful. And then uh, that's a perfect summer uh, Sunday, if you ask me. It's not. That's a terrible summer Sunday. Um, factor, you mentioned dietitian. They also have vegetarian meals which uh, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, I don't know if we talk about it that much on the show, but a lot of times finding something that is awesome, convenient, ready to eat uh, is not super appealing <laughs> yeah. for a vegetarian. But the garlic and herb roasted mushrooms are phenomenal, very yummy. And like you mentioned, it is ready, easy to go. We're eating, we're full, we're happy, and we're back uh, splish splashing away on the slip and slide. Never frozen, always fresh, ready in two minutes. You know, if you're like me during the week, you're, you're going to get takeout and you get some bad food for you. This is a way to, to make sure you're eating healthy. You're doing it quickly. It's convenient. It's actually good food. So check it out. Head to factormeals.com slash DLC50 and use code DLC50 to get 50% off your first box. Wow. That's code DLC50 at factormeals.com slash DLC50 to get 50% off your first box. So before I talk about some of the things that I like from the showcase, Christian, I wanted to get your opinion. Did you get did you check out the upload VR showcase at all? I did, but briefly. Um, it was one of those things where it was a lot and it felt not um monumental. Uh, is yeah. maybe the right word where it felt whelmed. I felt very whelmed um, in it, and so yeah. I kind of, I kind of dipped out. I am most intrigued by how many games seem to be coming out so soon. Relatively speaking, I think a lot of times people think about VR. I mean, since it started, it's about to die, right? It's always, it's always been yeah. the there's a, there's a drought of games. There's a drought of games, and I think with this showcase demonstrated is there are a lot of games coming whether or not they are for you is up for debate but especially in the pc space there are a lot of folks making games and i don't know if everybody's trying to get it out ahead of quest 3 or like i think timing is very interesting in vr right now and i i'm very curious to see how it shakes out after we get a quest 3 announcement but that was my big takeaway um, from kind of dipping in and out of this was just how many games are coming out and and when they're looking to come out, even though they'll all be delayed, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every game is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a number of of pretty cool games. Uh, Lo-Fi definitely stood out to me uh, is a game that is pushing, I think, the the upper end of visual fidelity and which, you know, a lot of these games that are coming out for Quest 2, for example, you know, aren't. Uh, and I think it it doesn't show great on a 2D surface. It's a bummer. I think it's just a, it's remains a very difficult 
thing to do when you are showing game, you know, PS5 games and Xbox Series X games and great PC games that are ray traced and beautiful and uh, pushing lots of polygons. And then you show what look like, you know, very primitive in comparison games. But when you're in the headset, you don't really, it, it, that doesn't matter quite as much because it, the immersion and what you're doing and the physicality of it are so fun. So I, I think it's, it's a, a difficult thing. And I think the numbers reflect that with the fact that, you know, there are so many fewer streams and live watches of this showcase in comparison to other showcases that we've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, anyway, that said, <clears throat> I was really excited about a game called Throwback, which is basically Paperboy, the old 80s Paperboy uh, game meets like Pistol Whip, basically. You're, mm-hmm. you're a paperboy, but you, you're, you know, you're in first person, you're throwing paper uh rolled up papers uh, at all kinds of stuff around you i think there's like you know crazy stuff like aliens will come down and you could throw papers at them and it looks like a wild uh arcade game but done in vr and it looks like it has so much uh such a sense of humor and and fun to it so i'm i immediately searched uh throwback because i i saw that it's going to have a a demo soon uh which i think is in, hits in july uh, but that, <laughs> that, so any of these games that have a little more personality than just like, it's a wave shooter, look, bow and arrows. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's bow and arrows are super fun to do in VR, but every game doesn't have to be a shooter with bow and arrows. Um, uh, tin hearts. I don't know if you guys saw tin hearts, which is much more like a narrative, uh, game that looks very, very interesting. Um, uh, and, and a game called toss with an exclamation point which has like a bunch of bananas in the, in the, uh, in the title, uh, the, you know, the logo, I should say. Um, and that game is uh, basically, they're calling it a platformer in VR. And it reminds me of, oh, what is that game that the, um, oh, what was that really fun platforming game? It doesn't matter. Platforming in VR is a blast. And, and it, because you're climbing, you're, you're jumping, you're moving across stuff, and that looks at your, you know, overhand crawling. And it basically is as is, is if you're doing, you know, Ninja Warrior or something in VR. And it's a blast. There's been a couple of other games that have done stuff like that. And this looks like big, goofy, silly fun as well. Uh, it's called Toss because I think, I, think, I think you're a monkey throwing bananas. Uh, and so you'll be throwing bananas at things. Uh, as you're, uh, you know, crawling around and climbing things and going all crazy. So that game looks awesome. I expect you to die three cog in the machine. Both previous I expect you to dies are awesome. They're basically escape room VR games, but with a sort of James Bond spy aesthetic to them, which is really, really fun. Uh, so that game is exciting. Um, any others that you guys want to, I mean, there's 62 there's a lot here i'm i'm hopeful for micro machines just because of my nostalgia yeah. for what that franchise was i think it was back on the nes and this looks to try to be carving out its own space a little bit in terms of its its whimsy um and i think the only pure ar game that was shown which is the micro machines kind of exist in the world that you exist in you're, you're making these tiny cars go on tracks you know with a backdrop of your own world yeah, cool. I think it. I think it looks cool, and it, it was uh, again from my skimming, dipping in and out, it felt very different than a lot of the other games that were being shown. I do yeah. not miss actually stepping on micro machines, so having them in my <laughs> world only AR or VR wise, I think is a plus. <laughs> the only thing that just, hurts 
worse than a micro machine is a Lego brick. And it is a close toss up in terms of stepping on one. <laughs> oh man, it's definitely worse, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I do wish they had had a guy talking very, very fast in the trailer. Cause that's <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing says micro machines like the micro machine man, you know? I think I, that's I just, think he's passed away, but I don't know. I, I think the the best VR experiences that I've had, and again, I admit that it's pretty limited to you know the PlayStation VR space. Is just those those games that give you the sense that you're looking down on a world, like yes. Moss and Astrobot. Uh, and I think Micro Micro Machines has a really great opportunity to capture that really really well. Um, yeah, first person just seems like such an easy like an easy way to go, and I think. Those feel those games that give you that feeling of looking down on a little miniature world that's alive and in front of you. I think those are the best, um, most eye-opening games that I've played in VR. Yeah, I agree. Too few, too few of them in this uh, in this presentation, in my opinion. Too few of them seem to be in development. Um, I want more of that. I want more. You you know, control with a controller. You don't even need to track my hands. Just uh, let me control my little. Uh, avatar on screen and run around inside the world, but, but I'm inside the world because I'm in VR. I want more of that. And I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why they're not making more of those. I, I, I it bums me out. But having said that, I will say it, it seems like the big AAA game of this bunch of this 62 games is the one that's coming out on PlayStation VR two. We know it well. Uh, and it is a first-person shooter, but my goodness, does it look really cool. And it's called Synapse. Uh, I believe it's coming out in July, so it, we'll, we'll be playing it soon. Um, but I am very excited for that game. It looks really slick. Um, you know, yes, it is exactly what I was just talking about, uh, a first-person shooter, but it's got, it has such a cool aesthetic. It's got this really slick, um, you know, a lot of uh, creativity, at least as was demonstrated in the trailer a lot of creativity on how you do the kills and you seem to be rewarded for that creativity and all kinds of crazy movement effects. And um, it's got this neat, uh, this neat fiction. It just looks like a really top tier experience. So I'm excited for uh, Synapse when it hits on PlayStation VR 2. Yep. All right. Well, a lot of VR games there. Um, I mean, there's just so many. Um, and, you know, kudos to Upload VR for putting them all together and putting out a showcase uh, I don't know how well served each of these games is to be lumped in a, just a giant mass of, of things. I mean, at a certain point, there were, you know, it's hard to differentiate between some of them because they're, you know, wave shooters that, and, and, and I think, I fear, I should say, I fear that that diminishes VR as a viable platform in some people's eyes because there's this sense of uh, a little shovelwareiness to it. I don't want to paint it with that broad a brush because there were a lot of great standouts and some really cool game, cool games that I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. But um, I worry that when you see a bunch of things that back to back to back to back like that, and so few of them have any kind of identity or distinction to them, that that's the takeaway that doubters will have of right. the medium. Yeah. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, this is a new one. Um, I don't know uh, if either of you know this, but Microsoft is trying to buy Activision. Um, <laughs> you know, but believe it or not. Uh, if only there were 500 episodes of a show that have <laughs> talked about this. I feel so, like that's how many episodes we've talked about this. I should back up a little bit. Microsoft is a company 
who makes video game consoles and mm. also, in this case, people don't know. And Activision is a company that used to make the best skateboarding games. Um, and now here we are. <laughs> I, think, I think the problem is Microsoft is a company that makes video game consoles and also supplies cloud services to most of the world. <laughs> That's the problem for Microsoft. Um, so, yeah, Microsoft's trying to buy Activision. It is uh, a ticking clock to some extent, much like the gifts I keep sending to Jeff that he keeps, keeps uh, returning to sender. Um, don't, don't open Christian's <laughs> attachments. <laughs> um, the latest development is that an injunction in the United States has been granted um, to prevent this merger from happening before other court, I'm trying to simplify it, before other court cases can then also happen to kind of test the merits, so to speak, uh, of things. And so this uh, preliminary injunction is most interesting, be- in my opinion, because of the timing of it all. In the original merger agreement between Activision and Microsoft, or I should say acquisition, not a merger, the acquisition uh, documents, there is a clock on it. Um, and I believe it's middle of July. If it is not completed by then, Microsoft owes Activision billions. Three bills. It's Pocket July change. 18th. July okay. 18th is the deadline. And th- like, who, that seems like a crazy contract. I'm going to buy you. But if I can't get this deal done by a certain date, uh, I will also. I will still give you three billion dollars. Oh, cool! What what could possibly delay it? Oh, I don't know. Every government in the world. No, just two, just two, just two governments in the world: the UK and the US. Apparently, everybody else is like, uh, "Yeah, go for it. We love it. Do it. Do it. Do it." Is that a normal thing? I don't know anything about giant billion-dollar deals, but it doesn't. I guess that must be a normal thing where it's like. Uh, we're going to buy you. Oh, for reals? Yeah. You promise? Yeah. All right. Well, but if you break your promise, we still get $3 billion. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Totally <laughs> I, cool with me. I cannot speak to these specifics. Uh, often, not oftentimes, sometimes there can be things like this because when companies are acquiring another and it's so long and protracted, what impact does it have on that other company's yeah. stock price here or right. there? Or how does it stifle their creativity and or their leadership? or Hiring and employees and everybody's futures and all that stuff. I get it. I get it. Yes. So still, there's... Th- pretty crazy (laughs) what i think is mind-blowing about that three billion is what other studios what other acquisitions have been less than that (laughs) that that penalty you know like how many insomniacs could sony have bought for uh the penalty of not getting this deal done now truth all of this could change there's a always room for extensions and blah, 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 blah. Contracts are malleable in many ways, but this currently as of recording is a very real clock on this acquisition happening. And the U S court system is often not on a very (laughs) real clock. And I I do think that we are, and I've been uh, right in everything else I've predicted about this merge (laughs) acquisition so far. Um, I do think it is up to the U.S. and the U.K., and I think that they are not coordinating with one another. I don't want to imply that, but they are definitely keeping an eye on what's happening across the pond. And if the U.K., there was the idea that floated that they're just going to do it anyway and publish and the UK via independent publisher and kind of ram this thing through. I, 
do not think that would be the case if the U.S. objects to this acquisition happening. And I think it this preliminary injunction around the same time the appeal is set to occur in the U.K., this feels like the what is it? The hot pot? What are those pressure cookers that makes your uh, slow cooked meal in twenty minutes? This feels like that moment. This is the the sous vide of big, big multi billion dollar deals. <laughs> Whatever it is, this is that <laughs> moment of uh, the pressure cooker, and things either go right and it sails through, or this blows up. I think pretty spectacularly, and dare I say, soon. So. Give me your prediction. What do you think happens? Like, put go out on that limb. What do you think? Do you think this? Do you think this deal happens at this point? If you're looking in your magic eight ball, what do you say? I'm not going to hold you to this like you're making a prediction. But what is your magic eight ball? Do you feel like it is more likely it's going to happen at this point, or less likely it's? Going I'm going to gonna stay on the limb I've been on, despite. <laughs> the squirrels over there sawing it uh, at its trunk. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to stay on the limb and say it is still likely to happen, but I am happy to not be an attorney working on this case uh, right now. Cause it is bullet sweat in time. In my opinion, Adam, what's your gut tell you? Do you, do you think that uh, all these speed bumps and roadblocks and injunctions are going to add up to a, a no go ultimately, or do you think this is still going to happen? I'll tell you what, I got two things to say on this. Firstly, um, I have made it a, a very firm point to never discuss this story on my podcast because I'm dumb. And I, and I don't. <laughs> you know how, much, how many hours of content we've gotten from this story? Adam? Uh, well, you guys are smart. You guys are smart. <laughs> I cannot attempt to tackle this story. Two, as a father, I, I'm going to approach this from dad mode, right? We went to, we, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. We went to go see a movie today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to leave we had to attempt to leave the house a good 45 minutes before this film started the movie theater's yeah. 5 minutes from my house uh because my my wife had to make sure everything was turned off and the lights were off my kids had to brush their teeth and get dressed everything in my life takes 7 times longer than it should so right. when i'm staring down the barrel of a deadline like this you got to get your butt out the door immediately or you're not going to make that movie. So if I was Microsoft, I would be telling my kids to get their shoes, get get their snacks and get the heck out of there or this deal isn't going to go through. I I'm a pessimist. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm I'm thinking to myself, if you're going to grab those Twizzlers Activision, we're not going to make the show. We're missing yeah. trailers. I don't know if that made here's sense. Here's what I'm hearing for, here's what I'm hearing uh, Adam is that you need to enter into an understanding with your family mm-hmm. that if 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 the deal to go see the movie on Father's Day does not happen mm-hmm. you get to see three movies by yourself they're going to have to pay me 3 billion dollars at least yeah well that's the equivalent <laughs> the equivalent of 3 billion dollars in dad money is getting uh-huh. to actually three six hours of movies by yourself that's right that's right we're watching john wick four when we get home if you guys can't make it in time that's what i'm saying uh i i i totally get that this it's the ticking clock is a pretty crazy thing and july 18th is very near in in legal terms i mean it's right around the corner yeah. But it also wasn't when this started. That's what I think. I mean, everything right. take, but I could imagine they were like, I don't know, we got to put in something in here to 
prove we're serious. Okay, our lawyers are negotiating back and forth on a value. Yeah, three billion, that's fine. What what, what are we going to put? I don't know. I don't know. Just who cares? Just July eighteenth, twenty twenty three. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? What's the yeah. farthest date of way you can imagine? I don't know, like July of twenty twenty three. <laughs> like, oh, when yeah, are we gonna yeah, have flying like a, cars? That's July like twenty twenty three number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never see that. You know, the opening of Back to the Future four. It's like July eighteenth, twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, Would Jeff be nuts though if this doesn't actually happen? Wouldn't that be crazy? It will be nuts. It will be nuts. I think. I think it's nuts either way at this point. I yeah. think the story has had so many wild ups and downs and twists and turns that. I think it will be crazy if it happens, and I think it'll be crazy if it doesn't happen. It, like, dis, uh, despite all the hoops and 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 roadblocks and all the stuff, if it actually happens, especially if it happens by July eighteenth, I will be gobsmacked because it just seems at this point that just seems impossibly soon. So I think there's going to have to be some kind of concession made. Or, or Microsoft doesn't care about three billion. I don't know. It, it all gets reopened, right? Isn't yeah. You know, and what does that mean? Because what is Activision? Again, I don't much like talking about them or their leadership, but they are seem to be in a better place now than where they were when this deal started. Uh, Diablo Four seems like a runaway hit. Diablo Immortal is has just passed its year anniversary and made a lot of money. Overwatch 2 seems to be a hit and in a better position than where it has been. World of Warcraft, uh, they have I know they've re-scoped what the scale of those expansions will be, but that seems to be on sure footing now. Call of Duty seems to continue to rake in all the money, and the new stuff for the new Warzone seems to have people excited. It seems like a very different company from when they were at the beginning or in the middle of all of these um, accusations that they're still under. But I think that if it does, there's a TV show that deals with going back to the table. And if it does go back to the table, so to speak, I don't know if Activision and their board is okay with that price. Um, and so wow. there's that whole world of how what happens if it opens. Anyway, I'm fascinated by it. I apologize to our listeners if they are not as fascinated by it, by it as I am. But I do not think this will be the last time I bring it up. Oh, it certainly won't be the last time we talk about it because there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a... Uh a number of twists and turns on our way to July 18th and beyond. So, you know, get used to it. And I, I don't know. We joke about how often we talk about this and rightly so, but also it is a major part of the video game industry. It is, it will have Titanic effects either way. It's going to have ripples that, that shake the entire industry, whether it happens or doesn't happen. And I think that's fascinating and and certainly is uh, worthy of discussion uh, at each step of the way. So the, an injunction right now is a pretty wild thing because it means everything has to stop. The court says, stop. Uh, so, you know, that, Microsoft's like, well, we have this clock. I don't think you understand the mm-hmm. clock thing that we have. <laughs> so, yeah, this yeah. is a preliminary injunction. I think before the case of the actual hearing of the real injunction to see if it, like, again, there's a whole bunch of legal gobbledygook that's happening, but the clock is very real. And yeah. um, we shall see. All right. My uh, story of the week is uh, a little bit of a uh, follow up on the summer of games stuff that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think we were all, you know, we, go back and listen to our discussion of the Xbox showcase. There was a lot of really juicy stuff in there. And one of the things that we 
talked at length about is the proliferation of in-engine gameplay. In it, well, game. Listen, those are two different terms. In-engine trailers, uh, stuff shown from the game, clearly labeled as being not a CG creation, but in the engine of the game. And I think um, it is definitely interesting that in the in the wake of all that. A lot of folks were questioning whether the Fable footage, you know, Fable kicked off the show, was the first thing we saw of the Microsoft conference. Uh, and I think it it looked pretty darn good. And a lot of people were questioning whether that really was in-engine and exactly how that was displayed and how it was put together because it didn't look like anything playable in particular. And so it could very well have just been, uh, you know, bull shots, uh, to use a term from a bygone era. Um, but uh, the devs uh, from Fable have come out and publicly pronounced that not only was it uh, in-engine, it was as it was actually labeled in-game, meaning that footage is happening in-game and was actually running on an Xbox Series X. So uh, Phil Spencer touched on this in an interview with our friends over at Giant Bomb. And uh, the lead lighting artist at Fable, uh, or excuse me, at the uh, developer that uh, that is making Fable, Playground Games, uh, said uh, that hey, it was a it was one of the best compliments he's ever gotten that people actually questioned whether it was real time in game footage. Uh, and uh, he shared a few direct feed screenshots on Twitter. Um, said everything was captured on Xbox Series X, and it was all done on the Forza Tech, the uh, the engine that is made. Uh, that Playground has used to make uh, Forza Horizon, and which is obviously a very gorgeous engine, very gorgeous games. Um, and uh, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, so I, I think this is a worthy of highlighting at an, a time when a lot of these terms, I think, are a little confusing and folks aren't quite sure, like, is that going to be the game I'm playing or is that something different than what the game... Is that just supposed to give me the tone of the game I'm playing or... What is, what am I even looking at? I appreciate when the devs come out and say, hey, we said in-game, we mean in-game. And Adam, I'm curious if that makes you more excited for Fable, makes you less excited for Fable, makes you more excited for the next generation of uh, Series X games. W- what is your takeaway on knowing that be- uh, bit of information? I mean, I, I just games look ridiculous. And I think it's I think it's so cool that, I mean, it's it's cool and it's not that we're at a point where like is that real is that real is that BS right on my leg. Yeah. Um, I still don't really know what this particular game is from that trailer. Like it 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 was very much like a like a vibes kind of trailer where they it was that interview and then they showed a few quick cuts of you like escaping the the giant dude. Um, but undeniably gorgeous. I love what they're doing. I think I mean those Forza games look just absolutely jaw-dropping they're just spectacular so the fact that they can you know put that technology and it's it's not just for cars anymore it's also for giants and elves <laughs> uh i think that shows a lot of promise i want to see more of this game i want to see what's if beyond you, that giant's house you, you know what i mean if you zoom in on that giant's face you'll mm-hmm. find out it's made of a bunch of teeny tiny little cars <laughs> this is a bunch of ferraris Some might even yeah. call them micro machines oh snap Oh <laughs> no, 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 no! Let's just—I'm being dumb. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt for that dumb joke. No, 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 no! <laughs> dumb jokes are what we're all about. That's why you invited me on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I, 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 
I thought that was an impressive trailer. I'm still confused what the game is, but we all know that it's going to look as good as whatever it is is. If, there you go. Yeah, I I'm uh, I'm very excited about that. Christian, did you? think that this was going to be the case that there was actually in-game footage i mean they said it at the bottom but i, I it's, it's kind of nice to get that reinforced and and backed up and does that make you more excited about fable i know we we both are big fans of playground games so um put a lot of stock in what they're capable of what did you think of it yeah i thought it was great and it makes me very excited for our reckoning um i'm feeling pretty good right now i like that it's you know gameplay that we just keep using those words uh yeah, playground games i'm I'm just, I'm I'm just digging my own grave right here. i'm feasting um i, I love it <laughs> I, I i do think we need different terms because i do think what people are getting at isn't necessarily the question that's being answered i do think we're better off now than we were in the kill zone 2 era of you know seeing these things that clearly weren't possible but they were being presented as if they were i still think target a, renders they used to say right yes yeah. yes that madden 05 i think i think it was elijah yeah. wood on mtv who debuted that and it was just no, no way you know no way um but i still think there's a little bit of something going on and part of it is they're excited to show what they're working on and that is a goal and then whether or not it gets there i don't know on uh i have next week so i can show it on in this month's edge there's a little section where they talk about they talk to devs and they talk about why is it so hard to hit 60 frames per second you know this generation of consoles was built on this idea of 60 frames per second and redfall didn't hat still doesn't and there are games that aren't hitting that and they talk about some of the developers say i'm paraphrasing starfield starfield's gonna be locked at 30 yeah yes and they say that if you are gonna hit 60 it needs to be from the beginning some of these devs are saying like this needs to be a a pillar of the game from go there's always exceptions but like everything needs to be designed around that it just has to be so important and so i think the reason i bring that up is i think folks are watching this fable trailer and it's beautiful and silky smooth and there's no stuttering there's no you know 20 frames per second there's no pop in there's no and so I think people was like, yeah, it's in engine, but is that how it's going to look and play when I play it? Which I think Man. is a different question than the one we're being, than the answer we're being given. And again, I don't yeah. think it is deceptive, but I do think there's a difference between seeing something like that and then playing, um, what was the last, Sonic Frontiers and seeing like not being able to see the mountain I'm running toward because <laughs> it hasn't loaded yet. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the kind of the question people want to know is like, I want to see to the best of my ability, how it's going to feel when I play it. And and this is a good half step, but it's not a full step yet. In my opinion of, of demonstrating that. I think we're a much better position than we've ever been in that these companies feel the need to label stuff in all these presentations, which I think is a great place to be. And, um, you know, I, I have been critical of, uh, the, the, <laughs> the notion of the audience whining a lot about these kinds of things and, um, and complaining about oh the, the reflection in the puddle isn't the same reflection as in the game. And I, I've always felt that was really small of of us as as players to care about that stuff. But I have to eat my words a little bit because that kind of pressure 
does result in this clarity, this, uh, you know, this level of clarity from, from publishers. So I, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate the attempt to uh, label everything and make it clear to the viewer, like, what are we watching? But I also agree with you, Christian, that we can go further. And I think some of these terms can be a little muddy and, and unclear and, and unspecific. Um, and we still, I, like, I don't really know. I mean, I know, but I don't really know what in-engine means, right? But even, like, even the, sorry, even the term CG, it means computer generated, right? <laughs> yeah. which this is, right? right? Yeah, it's I not... want my computer to be generating all this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it should yeah. be like your computer's generating it or like <laughs> a bunch of other dudes' computers a long time ago generated it, you know? <laughs> yeah. My computer uh, is anyway. slightly different than the ones at Microsoft headquarters. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whose computer generated it? That's the question. That's who's. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of the games that we've been playing recently because there's a lot of good stuff out there to play right now, and I want to talk about it. But first, it is time to thank our sponsor, Double Fine Psych Odyssey, which is a phenomenal docu-series available on YouTube right now that shows you the nitty-gritty, the in-depth, what it took to make Psychonauts 2, which was huge, a huge achievement. It had all the weight of expectation for what was, you know, one of those Hall of Fame annals of history type games, the first Psychonauts. It, it just people revere it. It is one of the games that was going to be so impossible to live up to, and yet Double Fine did. They knocked it out of the park and they had cameras along the whole way. You get to see the process in this docuseries, Psych Odyssey. It is absolutely unmissable. If you like video games, and hey, I got news for you. You're listening to a video game podcast. So you do. You do love video games. This is a look at what it takes to make a video game in a way that is just it's just unprecedented. I don't think there's anything that is this in-depth, this raw, this f- full access to, to the process, the motions, the people. I mean, episode 17, you get the departure of one of the founders of Double Fine, butted up against winning a major award. So you get to see all of the sturm and drong of that, all the conflicting feelings happening internally. You're getting this window into the process that's just not like anything else. Christian, this show is special, right? This has become my wife and I's show that we are watching on a week-to-week basis. It has supplanted other shows. I think I talked about last week, a couple weeks ago, how I was watching one. She was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> invitation, uh, please sit down. And we started watching it together. And I think you mentioned it, you said it great when you said how honest it is because there is a version of this style of show that people might think it is that is like the reality network show where the the cameras come up and it cuts back from commercial and they re-say the same thing again they said and it's all glossed over and polished down to this shiny commercial yeah it just feels like it would be like a commercial or a promotion for the game it's not what it is it is not that it is if you want to make games, if you want to better understand what game development is like, if you are a fan of games, like the amount of heart and soul, blood, sweat, and tears that is shown in this docu-series is incredible. And I is a must-watch for people who listen to this show. I, I guarantee yeah. that you will get something incredible out of it. 
Easy to guarantee. And you can watch the entire series for free with no ads right now in 4K with real captions made by a human being by going to doublefine.com slash DLC to start your psych odyssey. Again, that's doublefine.com slash DLC to check out this unmissable series. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the games that we've been playing in a segment we call the playlist. Adam, what have you been playing this week? I am a longtime fan of the Final Fantasy series. Long time, because I am old. Uh, my first Final <laughs> Fantasy was two on the Super Nintendo, uh, and I've played them kind of intermittently throughout the history of the series, which has been a long, a long history. Um, I played the Final Fantasy 16 demo for PlayStation 5, much like, as I see on here, that you guys did as well. And I was blown away by this thing um, for so many reasons. But the thing that I really want to highlight is, as... As a longtime fan of this franchise and someone who fell in love with a sprite-based, turn-based Super Nintendo game, the fact that this series has kind of changed, really changed, and evolved with the time, and it's presented itself in a way with Final Fantasy XVI that I, as a 42-year-old father of two and a husband who has limited time, I can see how this game fits into my life. Uh, hmm. Big big role-playing games don't easily fit into my life these days. And when I played through this demo, the, the pace of it, the tempo of it, the gameplay tweaks, and the way that they allow you to curate your gameplay style just the way that suits you. So I've, I'm fascinated by what they've done with this series and the quality of it is is outstanding so i'm presented with a final fantasy 16 a final fantasy game in my 40s that i know is going to respect my time it's going to respect my skill level and it's going to give me an epic rpg experience i was through the roof with how this demo played out i love every bit of it so let me dig into what you just said because i, I want to understand what you mean by the fact that it lets you curate your experience and and make mm-hmm. it exactly what you need so tell me tell me specifically what you mean by that well, the very first thing that this demo does is it's like do you want to play this game where we kind of whoop your butt a little bit or do you just want to experience a story and let us kind of ease you through the game um so you can kind of choose story mode if you want i did not but they give you that option and they really kind of temper down the challenge and the gameplay mechanics in order to give you more of like just a cinematic story experience. Uh, and in addition to that, there are so many um, relics and equipment sets and skill sets that you can optimize to your character to make certain challenging areas easier. You can dodge easier or you can counterattack easier. Uh, whereas in other games, they just kind of like buff stats, uh, make you stronger with melee or stronger with ranged 
the, the the changes that you can make to your character in this game really seem to almost be accessibility kind of things where a guy like me who maybe doesn't have the best reflexes can go through a really challenging boss fight with the right accessory and have a much more forgiving experience than somebody who maybe wants to do something a little bit more magic focused. So you really can curate mm-hmm. the play style of this game however you want. And uh, I, I really love that. I think that's fantastic. Christian, you and I have both been playing or played through the entire Final Fantasy 16 demo as well. Uh, did you do you share Adam's take? A little bit. I, I I agree with a lot of what Adam you're saying. I am curious how it plays out in the full game in terms of how much time does the game want you to spend in menus and creating this character uh, as you would like them to be in terms of tweaking this or building out this skill tree. I think as Jeff, we've talked about a lot on this show, every game is an RPG now. Uh, And even like even Forza Horizon five or even before that Forza Horizon, you, you build out your car, you know, and it's like, what level is your car at now? And you're tweaking here and there. And I don't mean even going in and changing, changing your camber or whatever, drag coefficient like you're min maxing little upgrades and perks uh and your skill tree for your car and so this final fantasy 16 and what's available in this demo does that as well and you can go in and make tweaks and this that and the other but i'm curious how much the game expects you how much time the game expects you to spend in there versus something like the horizon franchise which is not not forza horizon but not forza Horizon. yes sorry thank you thank you for that thank you for that clarification yes aloy horizon um you doesn't necessarily ask you to spend much time in that in those menus to experience the game but there is a very rewarding deep combat system that you can tweak to your liking if you do and my gut uh from what's presented in this demo is that Final Fantasy 16 is going to be very much the same thing. There's going to be a depth there, but it doesn't, again, from what it presents in this demo, doesn't uh, expect you, just a general player, to spend a bulk of your playtime in menu. And other role-playing games um, do have that expectation of party management, uh, tweaking powers, abilities, stamina, mana, equipping things that, this, that, and the other, and what's presented in this demo is a compelling story uh, plot prologue moment. And then a later game bespoke created for this demo. They say multiple hour in, you have multiple combat abilities, series of kill boxes uh, for all intents and purposes, where you get to flex some of these later game powers. And so if this demo is representative of the final package, I think they're pitching this franchise as an action combat third person game with a little more depth and flexibility to um character management i'd call it than devil may cry but not so much as mass effect which also became a third person you know action game in many ways as well um but jeff i know that you are more i feel like i'm the resident third person action game expert if there was such a thing on the show but you in my opinion, are much more of the RPG, traditional quote-unquote RPG expert, and I'm curious your take. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I'm much more conflicted about the Final Fantasy 16 demo than it sounds like either of you guys are. Um, I mean, 
knowing the baggage that I bring into it, listeners <laughs> of the show will know very well, which is like, I want my turn-based strategy role-playing games. Like I, 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 I kept thinking how each of the fights in that demo would have been pretty fun if I had selected my attacks from a menu. And, you know, I like that. I enjoy yeah. that. So take, take that grain of salt with everything I'm about to say, which is like, there's a little part of me that mourns the loss of that. And I, I probably hold it against this game unfairly. That said, I think the combat in the Final Fantasy 16 demo was really fun. It's fun. I never felt challenged. Uh, I felt like I basically button mashed my way through. I mean, it's not Dark Souls, you know, it's not, uh, it, it, I, I basically button mashed. In fact, I, I got fatigued with my thumb at a certain point. I was like, I, <laughs> Stop it. I mean, I'm not joking. <laughs> I feel like I was pushing the button way more than I do in other games. I don't know. Maybe I'm being weird, but um, I thought the combat is pretty fun. I thought the combat was pretty fun. In the parts that I played the game. It's a, what, two-hour demo? And I, what, I played, what, 15 minutes during that two hours? Did you do the combat demo? Like, the second part? Yeah, it's like cool. The... I, I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. But I'm talking about, like, the what was shown. And the what was shown is early. I was hoping that it was going to be like, okay, here's the game now. But we never really get to that. We get, and, and Adam, I am super glad that you're loving it and feel like the pace is perfect. For me, the pace was infuriating. I really like the story that was coming together. It felt very Game of Thronesy. You know, it's it's you know high fantasy uh, uh, court intrigue and a in a royal family. And there was actually some really good vocal performances. And I thought the story was kind of building in a really interesting way. One that I'm curious to play more of. But it's Final Fantasy in that like every I'm. Oh, oh, I get to play. Oh, nope. No, another, another cutscene. Oh, cool. I get to walk down a corridor into another cutscene. Okay. Oh, ooh, oh, the cutscene's over. Also, do I get nope? I'm not doing anything. Cutscene. I mean, it just felt like it was endless taking the power out of my hands. Endless. Um, and then, I mean, I'm gonna spoil the demo. So if you don't want any of the Final Fantasy 16 demo spoiled, I have not played the full game, so I can't even spoil that. To but be I fair, this is this is from the game though. Like this, the, the it is from the game, game, but it's the very early part save, of the game. Your save carries over. Blah yeah, blah. Yeah, evidently, blah. Like very. The, it is the beginning of the game. So, yeah. if you don't want it spoiled, fast forward thirty seconds. But there, the ending bit where there is these giant ecrons, whatever they're called, the giant monsters that fight. I fa found that sequence to be almost. Uh, unplayable i mean it is it it is almost uh like i had no idea what was happening on my screen at all i mean and and the the what i'm asked to do is so uninteresting and it felt, felt like it had very little relation to anything that was happening on the screen there's just like this it felt like somebody taking their toys and smashing them together on my screen over and over again it was <laughs> it was I, I was hard to make out what even was happening people were yelling at me and then they were like shoot 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 and i'm like i am i'm i'm shooting it's there's i see the little thing ticking down but i i'm not playing anything i'm like i'm moving the it's not it wasn't panzer dragoon it wasn't res which i think it wanted to be anyway I thought that sequence was really poorly executed and not particularly fun and went on way too long. And then 
at the end of it, like you won. It's like you defeated him. And then the guy defeats you. It's like, but I just, you just told me he's defeated. Anyway, maybe minor things in the context of what will invariably be a multi dozen hour gaming experience. I'm sure that maybe will fall away, but it did not make me very excited about these games. This, this particular game, because uh, although I am interested to play it. So I, I did think the story was interesting. I did think the combat system was interesting. I did not think the demo was very good. I like the fact that it's just the early chunk of the game, but I felt like it didn't give me a sense of what I will be doing in this game because all I did was walk down a corridor, see a cutscene 18 times in a row, have a couple of fights, and then engage in this weird thing that wasn't even gameplay. So I know I'm being very harsh, but that's just what I felt. I think that first part, I think, was setting up the story and the tone and the stakes. Yeah. And I mean, also, it's, it's kind of it's, it's yeah. tough because it's like that's it's clearly a opening thing. And they have to I, I guess they have to sacrifice. They can't have it both ways. They can't have you get a big piece of the pie that would be more representative of the entire game without, you know, they still have to intro you in, into the story and have that save carry over. So, I mean, I, it's a sacrifice, I guess. I get that. Yeah. I, get I, I that. think, I think it Go was ahead, meant Christian. to be that intro and tutorial for folks who need it or want it. And then I think the second part of it was more showing you what the game will likely be. But even in that second part, I'm collecting tons of things and it's like for crafting, for crafting, for crafting. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to craft yet. <laughs> right. Um, I don't need to craft yet. So I, I think for me, I'm really high on the this demo. Uh, one, I, I'm a big fan of Square doing demos for they did even for Spoken had a demo which was lackluster. I think it, the general consensus was that that demo was fairly lackluster. The general consensus so far for Final Fantasy 16 is this demo has been pretty successful in terms of what yeah. it's setting out to do. But I love the commitment to demos uh, ahead of a game's release, and I think giving people a, a chance and a taste to play something goes a long way in, in selling what a game can be. So I think in that regard, I think this is a huge success. It plays well. Talking about Fable, like what does it feel like in my hands? I get a real sense for what the combat will feel like. And mm -hmm. I think it's important for this franchise now because as you mentioned, Jeff, this is such a departure from what this franchise yeah. has ever done. 15 was pretty hands-on sticks flying around combat, but not, Definitely. not this. Like There are points in this where I was going, oh man, am I playing my favorite new Bayonetta game? Like mm. as I was playing Final Fantasy 16, where it's not quite as aerial combo based as Bayonetta or Devil May Cry can be at times, but it felt more like that than 15 or even seven remake in terms of the fluidity of the combat. And oh, so, yeah, way more than seven remake. Yeah. So I think it, I think it was pretty awesome that they did that. Yeah, I think the exciting part for me is it really takes a new approach with the uh, with the icons with the with the summons, um, whereas they've usually been just massive spells, they really attribute that to secondary attacks, and especially in that second half of the demo where you were able to call upon the powers of the icons without necessarily the icons themselves. So you summon the power of the phoenix, and that's those are two secondary attacks. Or you call upon the power of the titan, and there's these timed secondary attacks and, and, and defensive things. It's just a new approach to that. Whereas final fantasy of old is always like, okay, I'm going to summon Leviathan. 
Now I'm going to watch Leviathan play out for a good 30, 45 seconds, and it's going to do some massive damage. This is a more, I mean, it's so much more action oriented, which is yeah. super cool. It's super cool. I I really liked it. I'm glad. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. I, I, I'm just telling you my experience with it. I'm definitely very interested to play more of the game. And, um, you know, I felt like I'm, I, I'm really digging the story. I think there's something here. I, you know, I, I, I just want, you, you said it very well, Adam, that it's a tough thing to do to say, Hey, here's the first section of the game. So your, your save carries over. I think that's admirable and I appreciate it. But the first section of the game is, you know, so much cutscene. It, it's like, it's so much cutscene and yeah. so little actual interaction with anything that I felt like, man, I just want, just give me something to, and I guess that's what that bespoke section was supposed to be. Uh, and I get that. That's cool. But I didn't feel, I felt like, well, I want to see what the game is. I don't know. We will be talking a lot more about this game. I, I guarantee uh, Final Fantasy 16, a huge release and uh, early indications seem that it, it's, you know, it's, it's hitting with a lot of folks. So I, I'm definitely interested to play more of it um, as much as I mourn my loss of turn-based. But what else have you been playing, Adam? Uh, I've been playing Layers of Fear from Bloober Team, which is uh, a kind of a collection of this anthology horror scene. It's, it's uh, psychological horror. Uh, it's the poop your pants kind of game that I have to play when my kids go to bed late at night. Just because you don't want to poop your pants in front of them? Yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing. <laughs> you don't want to do that in front of the kids. Right. You know, yeah. that's that's me time. That's 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 me time. <laughs> a special <dog> um, thing. <laughs> yeah. La Layers of Fear is kind of my jam when it comes to horror. I don't like a lot of super gory stuff, but I like the the psychological stuff, the stuff that kind of plays with your perception on things and turns the screws and kind of twists your mind. And that's, that's what layers of fear is. It's a haunted house simulator. Uh, this new layers of fear is kind of a collection of the stories that they've told in their previous games. And they wrap it together in kind of a, a new through line narrative, which is kind of cool because a lot of the, these layers of fear games are very abstract horror. Uh, they tell a story that doesn't have necessarily a, uh, beginning and a middle and an end they give you puzzle pieces and let you kind of piece together the story as you go through atmospheric storytelling and this new layers of fear attempts to kind of bridge those together and make a little bit more sense of it and still give you these these really good uh head scares one thing i'll say about it is i played layers of fear on vr and i think that is a much better platform for this kind of game um just because layers of fear does this really great thing where they they play with your perception and when you look away something happens in the environment and then you look back and they they play on the scares with where you're looking and having that on flat is not nearly as effective as having that strapped to your eyes. Because when you're playing a game on your TV, you can kind of look in the corner a little bit. You know, it's kind of like peeking through your fingers when you're watching a scary movie. But in VR, you have to be completely immersed in it. Uh, and I think there's that takes a little bit of a, a little bit of the sting out of this this iteration. But all in all, it's a great scary package. Uh, it's a good one to pick up probably cheap around the Halloween time. Very cool. All right, cool. Uh, Layers of Fear and the Final Fantasy 16 demo. Christian, I know you also played 
the Final Fantasy 16 demo. But anything else make your playlist this week? Briefly, I want to talk about the Exo Primal. They're in the middle of their, I guess it's ending now. Uh, if you're hearing this, you have a chance to just jump into it. But their open beta test for Exo Primal, the Capcom showcase, while I think mediocre as a showcase, uh, got me excited for Exo Primal again as they showed some of the plot. And this has some of the plot in it, brief, brief, but you get to play some of that single player plot. And then you get to play some of the 5v5 and some of the different stuff in the game. Um, Anything I- with Robo Guile? Uh, no, no Robo Guile or Robo Ryu. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to say that Capcom is such a massive publisher. It feels weird to say that they might have a sleeper hit on their hands, but I think Exo Primal might be a sleeper hit. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a weird place because Overwatch 2 is free. Uh, Fortnite is free. There are games that kind of do similar things that aren't full price releases. But if Exo Primal is able to hit everything it's trying to do at the level that Capcom has been hitting most of the things that they've done recently. I think that this game could have long legs. I mean, it is silly and fun, but also self-serious in a way that I think, again, the Capcom sense of humor is like very aware of. And it's just like, yeah, I was gonna say none of those other two games that you mentioned, uh, pour hundreds of dinosaurs out of a hole in the sky that I know of. And and there's such a seriousness to it. And I think there's going to, you know, there's probably an evil AI and all this other stuff that's probably going on with it and layers of uh, complexity to the narrative, kind of like Resident Evil. Like, oh, this is zombies. And it's like, well, oh, it's Wesker. Okay, it's actually Umbrella. Okay, well, Wesker was in him. And it's like, this becomes this ridiculous thing built upon itself. I think Exoprimal will have that. And but they're also just like, oh, yeah, Raptor Portal, here they come. And it's just (laughs) a thing that happens. Um, This open beta when i played it's kind of a stress test i had a really good experience playing the 5v5 uh modes and going through and playing it and it was able to scratch parts of that overwatch itch um in terms of pve vp style gameplay and then the narrative stuff again i think was just funny enough and just wacky enough um to make it endearing and i'm i'm excited for the full release whereas before i was more curious and this this uh, open beta has made me excited for it. I think also it might be popular with content creators, with streamers, because it mm. is where are you going to watch? It's like, oh, Triceratops. Oh, no. And a hundred Velociraptors. <laughs> Just... I mean, is it fun, though? I mean, are, are the are the it is weapons fun. and abilities and stuff like are they all cool and, and it, it, it is it is fun. And one thing that I think this game does very well is you can change your uh, mech suit at any time mid match. You just hit you know, whatever is hamburger or not, the uh, not the share, the double square button. What are buttons even called anymore? I don't the even du- know man. the double square button. You know how the often it'll a prompt will come up and it'll say, <laughs> Hey, to check your inventory, press this button. And how often I have to look down and go, which of those two is it? It doesn't Can we just go back to select and start, please. Yeah. It's the, easy. The- the two windows, you push two windows on, on an <laughs> Xbox controller and you can change suits. So you can, and that means you can essentially change class. You can go yeah. from support to tank to ranger to whatever. And that's awesome because there are moments in the game, especially if you're playing the online component with others, where you might need something that isn't, ha- you know, a support gets taken down. And if I'm still alive and we're at a moment that's critical, I can switch to that support class. Uh, and carry that mantle for a little bit and playing as a couple of support classes a little bit. They were fun. I I know a lot of these games classes get nerfed and tweaked and this, that, and the other as they, uh, Ooh, someone said, I say that a lot. I think I just said it. Ooh, now I'm aware. That's that's what you do. 
That's fun. That's fun. Ooh, I've been incepted. Somebody's, um, somebody's drinking right now because someone you. is dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the funny part is you responded in the Discord of like, "Do I really say that apart?" And then you just had that moment where you caught yourself saying it. I know. I know. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, they like, they incepted Who my even am I anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I say that in this and the other. Oh no! I did it again. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Exoprimal, I think, does a lot well, and it it plays well. You know, it, it is fun, shooty shoot, and it's ridiculous enough that I think it could be a welcome distraction in the year of 2023, where every game release seems to be a game of the year contender. I don't know if this will be it, but man, I think it's going to be a fun uh, couple of weeks when it comes. Did you out. play it on PC or what did you play it on? I did play it on PC, and it was yeah. that RE engine is a beautiful. Yeah. All right. Cool. Is this this is coming out? for realsies this year or do we know i don't know if anything's out for realsies until it's out jeff fair enough fair enough <laughs> is it supposed to be out this year i don't know mm-hmm. it was an open beta prepping it for a fall release is that right it's, it's supposed to be this year all right uh i also have another demo type experience. i mean next week is going to be the steam next fest so a billion d demos are going to come falling from the sky and i love those i love steam next fests because i love playing tons of cool indie games but it's neat when a uh, publisher will reach out and say, hey, we've got a demo that's going to hit, but I'd love to give you an early look at it to separate it from the crowd of a thousand D demos that you're going to be playing over the next Steam Next Fest. And one of those is a game that I pointed out uh, just last week, which I think debuted at um, one, of the, uh, one of the festivals. I don't even remember if it was uh, Summer Games Fest or if it was the Xbox... Uh, Showcase one of them showcased this game, uh, and it is called uh, Shadow Gambit the Cursed Crew. Now, this is from I didn't even catch this, I didn't catch it when the game debuted. I just loved the look of it, I loved the theme of you know, cursed pirates. I, I thought that I love t- top down isometric games. I, I was really excited about this. And if you remember last week when we were talking about the games that stood out, this is one of the games that stood out for me. But what I didn't even put together was that this is Shadow Gambit, the cursed crew, from Mimi Me Games, which made Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun. So this is a Shadow game. Uh, I think a pseudo-sequel, pseudo-franchise, uh, not Shadow Tactics, but Shadow Gambit. And it's the same type of game. It's a, a top-down, isometric, stealth action strategy game. Uh, if you played Shadow Tactics... Blades of the Shogun. And I have to say, the only reason I did is because friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg, loved this game so much that he literally bought me a copy of it. He sent me a copy on Steam and said, you have to play Shadow Tactics. You're going to love it. It's awesome. And I thought it was very cool. Um, So that's why I played Shadow Tactics Blades of the Shogun and why I'm aware of that game. This is, I think, taking all the learning. They also did a game called Desperados 3. Three. Yeah, so I was just yeah. confirming before I said it. Uh, and while I'm yeah. interrupting, July 14th or so is Exo Primal. So soon. Oh, yeah, like real soon. For real coming. But yeah, Desperado yeah, yeah. 3 is the one I played. It was uh, not too long ago release. Um, yeah. Uh, also anyway, so top-down isometric. Yes, and that same type of kind of get through the map by taking people down, taking all the guards down secretly, stealthily, uh, and you know, try to maintain your stealth so they don't you don't get overwhelmed by them. This is that as well. Shadow Gambit, the cursed crew, is that. I think this aesthetic 
blows away either of the two. Although, you know, Shadow of Texas is cool because it's kind of, um, you know, Shogun era. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, feudal Japan, samurai, cool stuff. And, you know, Wild West is cool too for Desperados. But I will take undead pirates over those any day of the week because it's so rad and it, they have really uh shown off a lot of the creativity and the character designs and the um the uh the setting design the main character of the game is this undead pirate who has literally a sword stuck through her chest coming out the other side you know she's a ghost she's undead and when she takes fools down she pulls her own sword out of herself and hits other people with it and then sheathes it back in her own chest. That's cool. Um, and you have a, a motley crew of, you know, undead ghostly pirates that you save from the netherworld and uh, comprise your ship. The, the, the demo that I played of this, very uh, robust demo, lots, lots to it, which I really appreciated and will be available in Steam Next Fest next week or maybe by the time you hear this. I highly recommend anybody that's interested in this genre of game to check it out because uh, it is, it's a really great demo. You basically uh, start the game and you get your ship, which is sort of, you're going to be your base of operations. Uh, and, but it's awesome. The ship itself has a personality. It is also undead and it is, you know, possessed by the soul of something. And so you have to go save your ship and you can talk to it. And then you start, um cobbling together your crew and you can bring your crew on missions and they all have superpowers they all have different abilities that they can do in the course of uh traversing these maps and taking down the guard sentries and finding things and going into certain areas and getting to your goals and the powers make you feel so op they're really awesome you can like teleport to people you can um uh, I mean, there's there's all kinds of really cool stuff you can do. So there's a lot of freedom in how you take down the bad guys. And, you know, you want to hide the bodies and, and it'll rank you when you're done. You get certain points for doing things, you know, with style and, and having a very clean uh, scene when you're done where all the bodies have been hidden and everything is perfect. Um, and one of the great things, too, is the game encourages, nay, makes a part of the very fabric of gameplay frequent saving in fact it doesn't even call it saving it says press f5 to capture a memory so it's thematic in this idea of these undead ghosts who are coming back and trying to you know come back to life they are memories themselves and when you capture a memory uh it'll say in the in the context of the game like hey capture a memory now but it's basically sa quick save and quick load. So it's saving. It's saying do this a lot because what we want you to do is experiment wildly with tactics. And when you fail, just load your save. And I love games that do that. I love games that actually incorporate that in the design document, you know, the design uh, plan of the game. Because then I, it, it makes me feel the freedom to try wild things, try wacky stuff, not feel this pressure like, oh, my God, if I fail this, I'm going to have to start all the way over at the beginning. So I'm not going to do anything risky. I'm, you know, I'm going to hold my breath and hope this works instead of being like, oh, I'm going to try some fun, crazy thing. Oh, it didn't work. Quick say, quick load. I'm right back. I can try something else again. And the Question. game really makes that Question part that. of the experience. 
Hmm? So I, I found kind of in Desperados that – well, let me ask you just about this. Um, does that impact the creativity in the moment? The oh, crap, I messed up, but does it prevent you – and I'm, I'm sure I'll dive into this when it's av- publicly available as well. But I'm curious how it kind of balances that line because in this type of game, that's often that – edge that razor's edge i like to live on like yeah clearly i messed up i am going to reload but i love it when i think i messed up but i'm able to pull it off and Mm. still complete the thing i guess it it definitely discourages sticking with it a a, a little longer like if you if the s hits the f you know and you start running around and you like you pull that out and you go oh i did survive i'm less inclined to see that through because i can just quick load and I'm I'm quick saving or capturing memories in the parlance of this game. I'm capturing memories, you know, before I take down literally any enemy. It's it's constantly quick, mm-hmm. you know, capturing memories. So I guess it does discourage a little of that feeling of, oh, things have gone bad. See if I can get my way out of this, or at least it discourages it to me because I'm much <laughs> more inclined to just quick load. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, for my play style and the way I like to feel when I play games, that, that feeling of safety, that feeling of like, I'm not going to be frustrated by this thing because I just lost the last hour of play because I did mm. something boneheaded, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's a little undead joke for you. Um, but, but so maybe you, maybe you'll like it a little less than I do, but I, I am over the moon on shadow gambit the cursed crew uh full release on this game as soon as well and you can it's play like the august, demo right I yeah it's, yeah it's which is a bummer it's like at the end of august um uh it's august 17th i guess not quite the end but you know right before the deluge of everything comes uh, end of august and early september with uh there's you know, no non-deluge there's, there's no not deluge, but there's a particularly more intense deluge for me, Baldur's Gate and Starfield. It's like that is right there. Anyway, but I'm I'm I will be putting more time into Shadow Gambit. I'm I'm very excited about that game. Did all you right. play it on your deck at all? I did not. It I seems like not. a great deck game. I don't know. A lot of those games where I want to play with my mouse, mm-hmm. I definitely don't love the deck. Okay. Uh, but maybe I don't know. I, I I shouldn't say that I should give it a try first because maybe they'll figure out a way to use your stick to. Just I'll do it. I'll report and... back. I'm, I was going to do, do it, it anyway. Do it. <laughs> I think Ste- Steam demos are just like, how does this play on my deck? That's all. That's all that Steam demo okay. fests are for me. Does it? How does it I play on my deck? That. I'll tell you what happened. I I was away from home. I was away from home a little bit this week, and I wanted to play this, and I brought my Steam Deck with me. But I brought a USB-C charger that just doesn't charge. You know how there, mm-hmm. there's like le- levels of USB-C charger? And I happen to grab one that doesn't charge my deck. It, you literally plug it in and nothing happens. Um, so that's what happened. I had a dead deck, so I didn't get to try, try it on the Steam Deck. But You could play your undead deck on your dead deck. I, I, exactly. I could. <laughs> ah! Well done. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well... That does it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Adam Leonard, Mega Dad, it was awesome having you here on Father's Day. Thank you for giving up your Father's Day evening to spend it with us. We very much appreciate it. 
I always appreciate you guys inviting me onto this show. And of course, like we mentioned before, this is a big one. So thank you so much. It's, it's always a joy. Well, it's going to be awesome to have you back on at 600 as well. So we'll have, there to- you go. <laughs> <laughs> and many my times calendar. in the interim, many times in the interim, uh, but tell folks in the meantime, mm-hmm. where they can find you and all the cool stuff that you're doing online. Yeah, I am part of the Mega Dads. We are nine and a half years in of creating podcasts and videos, reviews, all sorts of great things. You can find all of it at our website, megadads.org, or you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash megadads. One of the things that I've enjoyed doing so much, especially in the last year, is almost all of my game reviews I do alongside my nine-year-old son, Elliot, Uh, It just puts a whole new spin on doing something that I've done for so long. Uh, And he is of the age where he is way better at games (laughs) than I am. And, uh, and he's well-versed at talking about it too. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's so much more fun creating things alongside my son than, uh, than it was before and keeping things fresh. So yeah, check us out. Mega dads. That's very cool. What a cool thing to hear. Uh, awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Friday is the first episode of Feeling This Season Woo! 2. Uh, with Mr. Alex Electric Boogaloo, I'm told you're calling it. It Well, the first episode is just electric, and the second mm. episode is the feelings of boogaloos in games, because it's all about... <laughs> Various you know, boogaloos. The, mm-hmm, the feelings, of, yeah, as, as they pertain to games. Um, so many boogaloos it's actu- to it's actually from. How did you narrow <laughs> it, it down? Well, we were going to go. That was my vote for title, but Alex really wanted two feeling to this, which is also just uh, well done. You you, you can't not you can't not go with that. Um, I can't wait for next season, which is actually a feeling this Tokyo Drift, which is actually a prequel to the first season. Um, Season two (laughs) starts Friday. The episode is about scanning which I I thought was a really awesome, fun conversation because it is something we do in games all the time and chatting with Alex and we kind of prep some games for it ahead of time and really kind of breaking down and discussing how even that mechanic can be so vastly different depending on the genre and the type and and the experience you're having. I think it's a cool one. Video versions uh, and audio versions as well to all levels of patrons. So you can check that out on Friday. And if you do, we would love your feedback on it and, and hopefully... Hopefully you dig it. And then everything else, you I think can go there's to my gonna website. Be, there's going to be a lot of scanning in uh, Starfield, it seems. I feel like we're going to be doing a lot of scanning in that game. It does seem like there's going to be a lot of scanning in Starfield. Yeah. It is Everything is an RPG, and everything hides their lore behind a scan. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, my website is christianspicer.com. It's got links and how to contact me and email me directly and everything like that uh, there. Yeah. Very cool. Um, as for me, I have other shows you can check out. I do the film cast talking about movies and TV shows. It's fun. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. Just search for the film cast. Uh, we're talking about all the crazy summer movies. Uh, this week we got our flash review and, uh, elemental is up next. And then Indiana Jones, it's going to be, it's, it's, we're in the heat of summer. So it's going to be good times. You got to check it out. Film cast. Uh, I also do a comedy science show called we have concerns. Uh, with Anthony Carboni. It's fun. Uh, you can learn something and laugh along the way. And I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you're planning to see Indiana Jones, there is an, and I'm not spoiling a second of it, but I will tell you, there is a episode, a very famous episode of We Have Concerns 
that longtime listeners of We Have Concerns will very much know uh, that will make your enjoyment of in the next Indiana Jones movie different than everybody else around you. <laughs> so there you go. Check out We Have Concerns because you never know why it might, where it might pop up. That knowledge uh, that you gain. I also do uh, the fan-controlled show about sports. Uh, you can find that. Uh, we do them live on Thursdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can find it by searching for uh, fan-controlled sports and entertainment uh, all across all the different platforms. All right, let's wrap things up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Adam, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes, I uh, I'm a huge fan of Foo Fighters, and they came roaring back with a new album after the passing of their drummer Taylor Hawkins, and it is phenomenal. Uh, it's Foo Fighters, as you know and love them, and it's also Foo Fighters in a whole new way, uh, expressing so much more in their songs about the challenges of grief and overcoming and turning the page on your life. Uh, and it's it's just got some phenomenal music. I am a huge fan of it. And uh, if you will allow me a really quick second parting gift. Sure. Um, last night I watched uh, the Super Mario Brothers movies uh, with my kids which we had seen in the theaters before, but the whole time that I was watching this movie, uh, it brought back memories of my dear friend, Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo guru who sadly passed away uh, from COVID-19 just about two years ago right now. Uh, and I was watching this, this film and thinking about how much he would absolutely adore this movie. He was such a Nintendo super fan. He had so much heart and passion for Nintendo and you can find all of his content still on YouTube so I encourage folks to go to YouTube and search for Nintendo Guru. There is no new content there. But if you want to see somebody who loved life, loved games, and loved sharing all of those things together with his community, um, please go and subscribe. Watch a video or two like I still do these days. Uh, Bobby Pauls was a gem of a guy. And uh, I just that encourage people to look at, look at life through that lens. Beautiful. Beautiful. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? I wanted to wait until I saw it myself, but I could have recommended it as soon as I, they announced it. Uh, I was able to go to the Blink-182 tour while they were here in Los Angeles, and my goodness, my friends, what an incredible show. They're about a third of the way through their world tour, their 2023-2024 world tour, but look on the calendar See if they're going anywhere near you. If you love pop punk, if you like Blink-182, it is a heck of a show. Uh, all the hits, mixing in stuff. Wait a minute. Um, You're saying they play all the small, small things? hits. Let's just say <laughs> I, was, I was feeling this, is what I would say. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I think that they are the band I've seen live the most. Uh, my wife and I went together, and she just asked me how many times I've seen them. I think it's... Minimum nine, max probably 15 times live over the years. Um, so it was literally six times you can't remember? That's, that's yeah, not good. Christian. That's a good show. <laughs> no, so here, fine. Okay, parting gift, story time. Uh, way back when in high school and part of college, I first volunteered and then later worked with some record labels. And so part of that was going to Warped Tours every summer and going to multiple shows in and around the uh, Gulf of Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, stuff like that. And going to those shows and being backstage and hanging out with all the artists. So I don't know how many Warp Tours Blink-182 played. I was mm. at all of them 
and some of some of them multiple times in a summer. Um, I think the one show I could have gone to that I didn't was when they played Bethesda's E3 press conference that I oh, turned yeah. down that day. That I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go. And then you were like, they're here, you moron. And I was like, oh! I was off the phone with you. I'm like, they're behind me playing right now. I'm not really paying attention. I was like, how but... is it? And you're like, I don't know. I'm in line for Doom VR. And I'm like, I hate you. I hate you right now. Um, but this tour is Mark Tom and, Mark, Tom and Travis back again. Um, I had seen them several times with Skiba and they were great. But it was incredible to see those three back together again and having stupid fun on stage. So if they are near you, Go check out Blink-182 and, and catch them live while you still can. Very cool. My parting gift is a TV show that I have very much enjoyed uh, over time and is back with season three. I actually came back a, a while ago, and I, I, I didn't even notice because some of these streaming services have a terrible jo- do a terrible job of surfacing when new stuff comes up, which mm-hmm. is why we're here to help serv- surface things uh, to you. Uh, if you have not checked out the other two, on uh i guess it's called max now max the one to watch for hbo uh Drew tarver is phenomenal uh, i was fortunate to know him from the before times at ucb and just the funniest funniest person dude this show is hilarious it's hilarious and i loved it the first two seasons season three is now on and it's very funny the first couple of episodes take um cl- take a look at sort of what happened during covid and kind of take place during or or the immediate aftermath of covid and it's very funny and it's very much uh, it's very much about the industry of of movies because the whole premise the other two is that there are three children in this family one of them gets uber famous like Justin Bieber famous and the other two the other two siblings aren't and sort of mm-hmm. like their struggles with that but very humorously done and uh it's just become so so fun Molly Shannon plays their mom and she's a genius uh, so I highly recommend the other two. It's on Max, the one to watch for HBO. All right. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Michael, who wrote in with a, a couple of different parting gifts, actually. Uh, I'm going to pluck one of them out. Uh, and these were motivated by my <laughs> inability to find the love with Tears of the Kingdom and, and Breath of the Wild. Um, so uh, Michael says, uh, my parting gift is the classic film by Miyazaki, Nusika of the Valley of the Wind. It originally came out in 1984 and is probably one of the more famous anime films in history, but I feel like there are still probably plenty of people who have never seen it. I myself had never seen it until about five years ago, but now it's probably my favorite animated film of all time, perhaps only tied with Moana. Story-wise, I feel it's actually very similar to Moana in being about a capable girl who sets out to save her ruined world through compassion and empathy rather than violence. The story doesn't really have as much in common with Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom, but the reason I do feel like it relates is the way they both depict the beauty of nature, even in a world that has sort of been destroyed. I think that Nusika is probably some other, oh, and probably some other Miyazaki films as well, were clearly a huge influence on how they depict nature in both games and the sometimes lonely but beautiful experience of exploring it. Tears of the Kingdom doubles down on the influence even more, I think, with some of the more alien places you get to explore. The sense of being in the vast wilderness of a living world is one of the things I think both recent Zelda games did so well, and I can't help but see a lot of influence distilled out of Nusika. So regardless of how people feel about the newest Zelda, I definitely think Nusika of the Valley of the Wind is worth watching. 
Zelda players will just appreciate the influence a little more. I believe it can be easily seen on Max, the one to watch for HBO, and the dub version that was overseen by Disney at some point is excellent. So don't be afraid just because it's anime. I feel like it can easily be enjoyed by anyone, including kids. And I really wish I had seen it much sooner than I did. Anyway, keep up the great work, Michael. Thank you, Michael. I love uh, Hume Miyazaki movies. And Yusuka is really um, beautiful, beautiful film. Um, So great recommendation and uh, uh, widely available. And sounds like folks not like me who who really love those uh, new Zelda games will uh, find even more to like with uh, revisiting this movie. If you would like to have your parting gift read on our show, we would love getting it from you. Send it to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Adam Leonard and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Thanks to our uh, theme song composers. It's White Cube, which is uh, T. Ryan Arnold and Jason Sherry. You can get swag for the show, uh, all kinds of cool stuff over at dlcswag.com, which was created by Jesse J. Anderson. Thank you, Jesse, for doing that. We do need to thank, in a big way, our patrons. We would not be here, as I said, we would not be here 500 episodes if it weren't for our patrons in recent years. Thank you, patrons, for supporting this show, for making it happen. Our top-tier patrons, our hype train patrons, they get their names shouted out at the end of every episode which I'm going to do right now. 500 episodes. Gotta thank the people that make it possible. Wayne T. Robinson. Tyler Buckwild Road. Rob Wonder Rob Dominguez. Kevin Eddy and Stephen Seifer. Joe DeFrank Scott Lambert and Hyperboy66 Brian Jordan David F I'm sure you can Comedian Aaron Trahan John Cisco, Relentless Rats Curtis from Louisville Andy Joyce, Michael S, and Anthony Goulas, Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, and Sasan and Dan Flanagan, Rob Rickman, Adam Denby, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob and Scooby Doo. Albert and Victor Valenzuela Chris Zacharias Matt Bradley Jeff Luxack and Mitchell Ness Will with 1L Harris Jonathan Putney Mark Gowland Jimmy Redcliffe and Malcolm King and Dan Palmino Kevin Brazu, Jenny Nate, Zachary White, 
and yick And Jonathan Spice met forever schlep yeah. Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast Soren, Silk and Travis Mike Lombardo Michael Buck and Jackson And the Spice Man Silencer Michael Stadler and Josh Peak, Nick Strauss Klein, Jed, Peter Olberg, Christian Bravery, Octavian Mercedes, Taylor Wicked, Jason Novak. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.